0: Welcome to Mosaic Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Mosaic Church Leeds, based in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information on Mosaic Church, please visit mosaic-church.org.uk. Thank you for listening.
1: Right, well I'm going um, to pray for myself, pray for us, because I'm going to, um, as Matt said, um, carry on um, preaching. Uh, we've, we've kind of come out of a series just for two weeks to talk about our vision for the year, what we're hoping for, who we're... You kind of what kind of savior Jesus is, what kind of people we are in response. And we looked last week. Um, and Matt preached last week the first part. I'm doing the second part today. Um, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to get you to open your Bibles. Um, but Father, as we start. We start knowing that you are a. Uh, wonderful God, you love us, you care for us, you're compassionate, gracious, and um, you want to speak to us. You speak to us, thank you so much that you speak to us through your word, through your Bible that we're going to read this morning. And ask, Holy Spirit, please, make, make your word alive to our hearts so it's not just a book, a story that was written thousands of years ago, but a, a story that has meaning um, for us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so if you've got a Bible, um, open up Luke 7, um, verses 11 to 17, and we're going to look at a story of Jesus um, raising a boy from the dead. Um, If you've not got your Bibles, don't worry. The verses will be uh, behind me on the screen, and I'm going to read them verse 11. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. And as he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the bier that they were carrying him on, and the bearers stood still, and he said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread through Judea and the surrounding areas. Um, Last term, September onwards, um, really for us as a South gathering, it was about dependence on God. And he spoke to us about it through the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who cannot do life on their own. And it's why we started to sing a song that, um, called, Oh, How I Need You. We often sing it at the start of, um, when our children are in, How I Need You, Lord, that we are to be dependent on God. And he's been speaking to us about his presence in our lives, both experience of closeness on a Sunday and about seeing his presence and power in our everyday. And, um, which means we are shared, uh, empowered to share the gospel with colleagues and friends and neighbours, empowered to live as godly parents, empowered to be kind and loving husbands and wives, um, to, to love Jesus with our everything in our every day. And last week, Matt kind of spoke about a passage in 1 Samuel 14, where Jonathan and his armour bearer attacked a Philistine camp and routed them and there's a verse 6 stood out where Jonathan says um but he kind of he trusts in God's unstoppable saving power that who can hinder the lord from saving who can hinder the lord from saving and matt went on to get us thinking where in our life are we looking for God's unstoppable saving power to be at work where in our lives are we willing to take risks for God that we weren't willing to take last year? And it got me praying, please God help me be faithful. Help me please be more fruitful in your kingdom. And um, today I want us to make much of Jesus as we look at a story about him. And if you are listening, when I read that story, it's a pretty incredible story, isn't it? What kind of a saviour he is. And therefore, as we look to follow him, be like him in the world, what kind of people we should be. Um, and you know, it's it's probably, I, I was thinking about this this week as I was reading the story. I love this story. Probably my favourite story of Jesus. And uh, I see him do three things. First, he brings life where there is death. I love that, bringing life where there is death. Secondly, he, he, his heart goes out to this woman. He shows compassion, and then she has her dignity and her hope restored. And thirdly, I see him responding obediently to what he sees the Father doing. And we'll unpack those as we go through in the next 20, 25 minutes. So first up, Jesus brings life, he's bringing life where there is death. Now just the context of all this, as in Luke, similar to Matthew, he talks about the Beatitudes uh, and then the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. He heals a centurion shortly after that, and that's where we find Jesus in this story. He's just healed a centurion, which I'm preaching on next week, and he enters this small town called Nain. It's about five miles away from Nazareth, where Jesus grew up. The disciples are with him and Jesus has also got this big following of crowd, but they, um, kind of come across this funeral procession where there are loads of people. And it's, um, it's not strange for the coffin to be carried along and the town stopping literally what they're doing to join in the mourners. And it's more than likely the coffin is being carried to a family plot somewhere in the hills, um, where the Uh, The the boy would be placed in the tomb alongside his father's bones. Um, It's very different also to a Western funeral where the atmosphere is quiet and hushed. Here in first century Palestine, it's not like that. There'd be um, professional mourners employed to make lots of noise and to cry and to wail so that the family who are doing that aren't embarrassed that they're the only ones crying and weeping and wailing. So, can you imagine that scene? Can you imagine a, a, a kind of a noisy wailing funeral party, bringing out a, not a box. This is a slab being carried. A beer, it's, and the, it's an open coffin essentially. So, peop, so Jesus can see who is on the um, is on this slab, and then can you imagine Jesus putting his hand? on the beer no one would ever do this this by doing this you become unclean so kind of not just physically but religiously unclean but jesus does it he stops the funeral procession and he grinds everyone to a halt the crowds following him the crowds watching the funeral the mother in particular In verse 14, he went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still, and he said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. With two large crowds watching on and the disciples wondering what Jesus is going to do next, he brings a dead son back to life. Wow, do you know anyone else who can do this? This didn't normally happen then either. It doesn't happen now, really. Dead guy was told by Jesus, get up, and he did. He has authority over death. He is in charge of it. It's one of the things that the miracle shows us. He is Lord over all. Life and death. All over Leeds, all over Wakefield, people need to be brought from death to life. And why is that? Well, I do, I don't mean it just physically. I mean it spiritually. Ephesians tells us that as for, for you, the right, the people he's writing to, the church in Ephesus, you are dead in your transgressions and sins. All the wrong you've done means we are spiritually dead. Like this boy was physically dead. He was apart from the world. He wasn't engaging with it at all. He wasn't with it. Jesus knows that we as people are spiritually dead. And the writer here, Paul, is telling the church in Ephesus, you're dead spiritually, you are apart. you are not with it, you are not with God. But because of his great love for us, this um, Ephesians continues later on, because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy has made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved." So if you call yourself a Christian today, if you follow Jesus, you put your faith in him, you have been saved by his grace, his outrageous grace that we don't deserve, but he freely gives. And we are no longer spiritually dead. We have been raised to life. And when we have baptism services, that's what we celebrate. And on the 14th of February, it's our next baptism. A few people are getting baptized. Come and bring your friends to hear their stories that God raised them from their death spiritually dead state to life. Jesus loves it to bring life where there is death. And this year, 2000 just gone, 2015, we've seen five new mission groups start. A couple of groups in Holbeck, a group in Middleton, a few groups in Beeston. And in those places these new groups, new life is forming where people have become Christians are being encouraged to, to read the Bible, to pray, to follow him, to talk about what God's doing in their life and, and then together reach out to other people. And we've seen five people this year saved at South Gathering. And we say, and I say in particular, more, Lord, please. More than five this year, more. Because we want, we look out and we see the places we live and we think, there is so much for God to do. Please do more. And this year we want to be a year of continue to be faithful and see fruit in our lives. Doesn't mean we have to slog ourselves into the ground. God brings us the power, but we want to start and that's why we're doing this Encounter God Week. We want to start by on our knees. Start praying and hopefully asking God to do the things we want to see him do. And already this year, 2016, we've seen two people make commitments to follow Jesus. And that is tremendous. And the, you see, the, power, so the parable of the, the sower, if you're familiar with it, um, slightly later on in Luke, he, um, Jesus, as he's teaching, makes it clear that people will respond to the gospel. However, pressures of life and um, riches, they, they choke the seeds that are growing things come and they, they take the seed away and they stop these young responses to faith maturing. And we're to pray, church, we're to pray that people who put their faith in Jesus, that they will mature, that they will be brought through to, to be mature Christians, um, not taken away by the riches and the pleasures um, of the world. And this year we must have new mission groups start for people who get saved, for new places we want to see reached, for new interest groups that have an avenue to, to be on mission together. And um, I, I'm kind of calling you. If you think, yeah, do you know what? I feel stirred to start a new group. Then find someone who will join with you in that in that vision. There will be a supporter like the armour bearer who clips in to, to Jonathan and say, I'm with you heart and soul. Find someone like that. Come and speak to me. and Let's see if we can start a new group and reach a few more people. Um, um, this year Hannah and Matt Lewis they started a new group called the Youth Project and I've asked them just to come and share just a little bit about what God has been up to and so could we just give them a round of applause okay so Hannah why don't you um, tell us what your mission group's all about and why did you start it
2: um, good so yeah we're called the Youth Project and um, we're sort of a group of there's maybe 10 of us um, and sort of the vision of the group is to draw in people who are in their late teens early 20s and um, maybe sort of on the edge of church and just to bring them in to a group where we can just talk about faith a bit more um, explore that and just create a bit of a support base for them um, So that's kind of what we do and we meet um, every Monday and have tea together and it's lovely Um so I guess the background of the group Um, is a bit of a longer story. So I think it came out of a time when we were both figuring out what to do with Mission Group, like what was next in like our little Mission Group journey. Um, and we were sort of getting married and talking a lot about that as well and what we wanted to do as a couple. Um, and we kind of saw, so we knew a few people who were sort of like young. So like Natalie and Isaac Hanley, great friends. Um, so we knew them really well. Like they'd already been part of Mission Group with us. Um, and then we also saw, like, the Holbeck service starting. We saw, like, a lot of people of sort of that age group, like, coming along. And we were like, wouldn't it be great if there was something for them, like, to come to? Um, and I think, so, for me, I'd probably been thinking about it for quite a while. But at that point, I was like, I do not want to lead a mission group. So I'd been a mission group leader when I was a student. And actually, last year doing a fee like, I ha- hadn't really led a mission group. And that was really great. I was like, great, like, I'm done with mission group leading, like... I just feel like I want to be part of a group and not have to like have all that responsibility and pressure. So anyway, um, that's kind of like where I was coming from, but I, like I could see like the sort of like young people that were around and, um, and I felt like, um, God was kind of like gave me that verse where it's talking about the harvest is plentiful and the workers are a few. And I was like, man, there are like a lot of this age group that just, they don't have a group to go to really. And, like me and Matt we both have jobs now where we're working with young people and we find it really easy like I mean we're young like we're not like we are 23 we are what our mission group is aimed at so like it it felt really easy it felt really natural um and so then we kind of had a chat and Matt was sort of also like oh yeah like I'd be in I'd be up for leading and I was like okay like now there's two of us to lead man um so it was scary and it was a bit of a risk and I think especially we're we're not people who have like loads and loads of time. So I think I was scared of that um as well. Um and also we didn't know if these people were gonna come and for some of them we'd never heard them say they were Christian or that they even believed in God. Um so that's been like a really interesting journey. So yeah, the first week we met, um we sort of just got everyone together and we were really cautious. We were like, we don't want it to be a youth group, we don't that's not what we are, not what we're doing. Um but like out of that first group came the name the youth project and we just talked a bit about what we were going to do with each other and um yeah it's been going really well and yeah we've got there's 10 of us so i mean god's been great and he was right there were people that wanted to come and um, we've already seen some really exciting things happen which i think matt's gonna tell you a bit more about
1: in a minute yeah yeah matt i want to hear from you what's god up to at the moment you know in the last term since you've started what's he doing
0: yeah, so it's been um, really exciting. Like Hannah said, when we first started, we were a little bit unsure of where people were at in their faith, um, what kind of background they had and where they were at with God. So for the first couple of weeks, it was kind of a getting to know people, um, trying to see what people wanted, what they needed. Um, me and Hannah kind of said, we want to support you in your individual journeys with faith, and we'd like to encourage you in that. Are you guys up for that? And everybody was seemed to be quite keen for that. So that's kind of where we started. So last term, um, we've been watching a lot of the NUMA videos, which some of you might have heard of. They're basically really interesting, um, engaging talks um, that then we can have a discussion about the topics that it brings up. And that's been really great. Everybody's been really open and honest. I think that's been um, a kind of key part of our group is the sense of vulnerability that we've had and that people have been so eager to open up and kind of share what's going on, and we've been then able to pray into those situations. So across the term, we've really seen um, people grow in their confidence to, to speak about what's going on and their confidence to to pray for other people. Um, and we can definitely see that the group's kind of um growing together. There's a real sense of family, that we're all one, that kind of when somebody shares what's going on, everybody wants to get around and support them. You know, in our Facebook group, people are happy to, post if something's going on like please pray for us this is what's happening um which has been really good um specifically um so there's a two guys that have had a little bit of christian input growing up from local youth groups like their families aren't christians or anything like that but they've had a little bit of input but they've now come out of that so it's just been really brilliant that we've been able to get around them um those kinds of people and kind of really um give them some encouragement um and hopefully as we continue to grow, um, we'll see hopefully some, you know, real commitments. We're definitely kind of on that journey with these couple of people that, you know, they're believing in God. So Hannah's encouraged me to share this story. Um, so one guy, um, who, um, he's, he's to be honest, he's had a pretty difficult background, pretty difficult upbringing. Um, kind of a lot of stuff has happened, but, um, what, am, what an amazing thing is that I've actually spoken to the guy that used to lead his youth group and, he used to be just be like, I'm a complete atheist, so I do not believe in God, I think it's all rubbish, but um since we've been meeting um over Christmas, he posted a Facebook status that basically was like, I just want to throw this out there, I do believe in God, I have a relationship with God, like, I don't, he said, I don't call myself a Christian, but you know, I pray and I believe in God, and this is what's happening. So it's just cool to see that we've, you know, somebody that's come from that, we're on a journey, you know, there's still a lot to do and a lot to pray for, um but we're really trying to Invest in these guys, and hopefully um, they can all have a personal relationship with Jesus. That's what we're trying to do.
1: That's brilliant. Can we give these guys a round of applause? <laughs> and so there's, there are stories all across the church of of people like Matt and Hannah investing in um, a few people, gathering them together in mission group, and and either. Yes, discipling them in their relationship with Jesus or discipling them toward a relation with Jesus. And that's so important that we take risks with our time and with our kind of the pressures on of life that, that it's, so, it's such a good thing that um, what God is doing, building his church and, um, and if you're, listen, if you're not in a mission group, if you, this kind of what they're talking about sounds a little bit alien to you, um, try and get involved in one. Try, you know, try try and find some space um, to have a think. Which one's best for me? And there are cards on the welcome table, as well as if you don't want to speak to a hosting person. To, with um, most of them on, we're reprinting them because of the ones that have started. Um, and the city again is a good place to to find out a little bit more. Um, so, uh, Jesus, he brings people from death to life. He does that. I um, just wanted to tell you, and maybe this encouragement for you to do as well is: I have a prayer book. I've just um, where I've got uh, days of the week and people's names who don't know Jesus yet. And I've had it for a couple of years, and I've got names in there on certain days that I can tick off as they've come to faith in Jesus. And all I'm doing is saying, God, I can't do this. We can't do this by ourselves. We need you to, your work, bring people to uh, faith, bring people to saying, yeah, I trust in Jesus. And so um, that might be some a discipline you want to get into. Praying for people you don't know, or, um, but we talk about in the church, who, friends of yours, or people you do know, so please, Lord, were these, um, yeah, these people trusting you this year? Um, second thing, this, uh, this story teaches us, it shows us Jesus shows compassion and restores um, dignity to a hurting person. That Jesus raising the boy from the dead, that bit where he speaks to him, it's bookended by two things. Jesus' heart goes out to the woman. He has compassion toward her as he sees her, and then Jesus gives the woman back to Jesus. And she's a widow. Widows in Palestinian times, day, you know, living in Nain, she would have had nothing—no son or husband to support and provide for her. She wouldn't have had a job herself. And the miracle that we see here sees Jesus. Give her son back to her. It's not just, oh, I'm going to comfort you. It's going to be, I'm going to show you compassion that changes your life. Her dignity, and her status in society are given back to her as she receives her son who will work and bring her protection into her family. That she'd have no inheritance rights. She'd have um, her the land of her family would be given to probably her husband's brother. And she would just be devastated losing her son as well as her husband so jesus reaches out to her he reaches out his, his heart is moved and i want to ask you as you look in around the world look around your locality is your heart moved for the hurting broken people and as it is how can you get involved in seeing hurting people bound their hearts bound up seeing then have dignity restored. And recently, um, I've been helping Adrian run our job club on a Wednesday morning. And, um, I don't want to embarrass Adrian. Um, he, he, he does a great job with job club. And, um, but just, just let me set the context for you. Cause we're sat in a room in a community centre in Beeston. And there's 12 people sometimes, maybe sometimes a few less. And I'm, I was sat there this week seeing people who are jobless people who they they don't have a means of employing themselves they they aren't quite as destitute as this widow but we've seen this year five of these people um give their lives uh, sorry since it course has start five of them give their lives to Jesus that spirituality knowing Jesus is really important we've also seen 12 people find jobs and that's amazing that that a sense of dignity that's being restored to them that they can support themselves that's what Jesus does. That's what we're to do. That's one way. Is just to, that I saw that this week and was like, "Isn't that amazing that Christians in um, in South Leeds are doing that?" Adrian is not the only one. Don't get me wrong. Um, but please be be encouraged if that's you. If you're kind of modelling Jesus, and if your heart is moved, have a think. What can you do? What can you do to join in with what he's doing? And thirdly, now this may take a little bit longer to explain. Um, he responds obediently to what he sees his father doing. Now, just want you to imagine for a moment Jesus walking with his disciples in the crowd towards his town. He's just had this encounter with the centurion, healed his son. He knows, he knows God's heart is to bring the kingdom now to see healings and to see people's lives transformed by God. And he's on a mission to preach and heal the sick, reveal God to people. But he's also spending time with the Father. He's spending the time praying. And I reckon he's asking him the question, God, what do you want me to do today? How can I serve today this world, this earth, these people? And he says in John, four, uh, John 5, he says, very truly I tell you, to his disciples, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. And I reckon... As he starts that day, as he sees this crowd, as he sees this widow bringing her son out, he remembers a story. He remembers a story in one Kings that he he knows the Old Testament. We know that through uh, other kind of encounters with Jesus and uh, how well he knows it. And as he walks this town, it's a familiar scene with familiar characters, but it's slightly different. A widow burying a son. There's no husband because. There's no husband near this lady who is dressed in funeral garb near the coffin, wailing and crying. There's a boy. He's not an old man. It's not the husband being buried. It's a son. He, Jesus can, can tell this. And there were no other sons around to protect this woman. It's a widow burying her only son. And his heart goes out for the woman. He feels her pain. He recognizes his, her grief. And he's moved to action because he knows what the father is doing. He knows what the father has done in 1 Kings. And this story of Elijah where Elijah has been told by God to go to a place called Zarephath and he's, to find a woman, a widow who will feed him. And um, God miraculously provides a jug that never runs out of oil and a jar that never runs out of flour. This story, let me read you um, what happens. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms Carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, why have you, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself out over the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry and the boy returned, boy's life returned to him and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, look, your son is alive. And the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. Jesus doesn't lie down on the coffin. He just says the word. Young man, get up. The word of the Lord from Jesus' mouth is the truth because Jesus, he is the truth. He's walking, Jesus, thinking, God, what are you doing? And he sees it ahead of him. He remembers the story and says, I know what God wants to do today. Is that, are you asking that question? God, what are you doing? What are you wanting to do in my life? What are you wanting to, how are you wanting to use me to serve people today, this week, in my street, in my neighborhood, in my workplace, in my friendship group, in my social circles? What are you wanting to do? Big scale, small scale. And as a gathering, we, um, uh, kind of, well, we live mainly in South Leeds and Wakefield. And there's a specific area in South Leeds called Holbeck. And we love Holbeck. And there's uh, a group of 15 or so people who are part of South Gathering who live there. And once a month, they do a, an outreach service in a community centre called St Matthew's in Holbeck. And um, we get behind them as a the South gathering. We cheer them on, but um, we also recognise that's what God is doing in us. He's He's reaching out to a community called Holbeck, which um, is pretty deprived, has a lot of need, and His heart is moved for it. And so it is our heart. And we um, support those who live there. And we say, come on, we will we will pray for you. We will encourage you. We will join in with what you uh, ask us to do. And so once a month, that's what they're doing. And you won't probably see them on that Sunday morning they're, because they're getting ready for the service in the afternoon. Um, but yeah, first Sunday of every month. So please, if you, they're in the booklet. Please, you get a chance to. That's, pray for that service, those people. That'd be ace. And what else is God doing? Slightly bigger scale for us at South Gathering. Um, he, we feel um, compelled this year to appoint a children's worker. And for South, we have 54 children, some who are to be born later this year. And um, it is an amazing privilege to be able to love them and care for them, to lead them to Jesus, to talk about him every Sunday morning and say, this is who he is. You should put your trust in him. And um, there's one of them. And I dream of our children, Alice and all the rest of them, the other 53 of them, as they grow older, knowing securely, deep in their foundations that God is in control, that he loves them. He loves the, the world and the nations. And we've got 30 families at South and there are thousands of families in South Leeds who do not know Jesus. And we have a mandate as a church to reach them. Families, the lost, the broken, internationals, the poor. And we, we as a church, we have, we have had a great first three years as a South gathering. And we're saying at this point in our journey, um, having been served so well by volunteer kids workers, so well, that we say it's now time for another level. It's now time to see, just maybe it's a case of, Matt talked about a tipping point, that, um, and we need a, uh, a, a children's worker just to kind of start off that process of seeing new families come to know him, of developing our children's work. So... It's, you know it's even better than it is at the moment and it means that we can release those who have been volunteering and taking a large administrative burden to do what they're really good at and passionate about which is serving our children um and so um it's a big ask and for many of you you feel like you're right on the edge of your giving you can on the limit of what you can give and i say this morning matt said it last week just thank you for your generosity thank you for for giving to the church um but i want to ask perhaps you as well but others who feel like oh yeah do you know what i've got some money to give i want to invest in our children would you take a risk with your finances this year would you um trust god wants to um to to provide for your finances and for the churches as we seek to employ a youth worker and Well, practically, what it means is we need to see our standing orders go up. Okay, I've no idea who gives and who gives what. We have a, a very small admin team who do know, but they report to us as elders each month what the state of our finances are. And so I'd say to you, what do you think about it? Starting a standing order increasing your standing order. Or if you want to give cash or checks, there's a box every week. We put it at the back. We don't make a big deal about it, but you can give an offering every Sunday into that box. And if you want to find out a little bit more, if you want to understand a little bit more of how finances work, there is a blue booklet on the table in in the courtyard where you can pick it up, have a read, and it's got a standing order form in and some bank details if you want to do that instead. Is that all right? So let me close with a few questions. About your year. Where will you bring life where there is death? Where will you bring life where there is death? Where will you be like Jesus? Where is God asking you to take risks? Will you ask God and write a name and a book of a friend you want to see become Christian this year? Do you know what the Father is doing in your world, in your day And do you know what to do about it? Is there a mission group you can join? Is there a mission group you can start? And will you raise your standing order for a kid's worker? Will you start a standing order for a kid's worker? And all that we do at Mosaic. It's an amazing story, this. Life where there is death, compassion to a hurting person who ends up having her dignity restored. And he does what he sees the Father doing. And as we we're going to respond in worship now, and one of the most powerful ways we can what we can do is in worship is with our posture, with what. So I'm going to just with the band come come up and with our posture, and um, really our heart as a leadership team is that we would be a people who are surrendered to Jesus, who bow the knee and say, God, have my all have all of it and so as you come this morning and you're there, I'm not quite sure what my response is this year I'm not quite sure the answers to those questions but I am sure of one thing I want to give myself to Jesus I want to follow this guy who raises people from the dead I want to give my life to a God who um, says follow me and I'll give you life and all fullness now and for eternity And so maybe, in your response as we worship and as Kate leads, you just want to bow your knee. You want to be on your knees and say, this is where I start, on my knees, coming to God. I pray, and then Kate will lead us. Lord God, we are um, forever grateful for what you've done. And we look to you, um, King Jesus, and say, you're in control And please help us. Help us worship you this morning. Help us worship you in our lives. Help us lay down the things we find hard and uh, the things that we want to wrestle ourselves to keep. We say, please reveal to us how to surrender them. And I pray as we surrender, we would find joy. We thank you the Psalms tell us that in your presence is the fullness of joy. So please come and flood us with your presence this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen.